Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Paid in Full podcast. I'm your host, Joe Rausch, and this is episode number five. All right, so on the last episode, we began to open up the conversation of royalties, and we talked about the different aspects, the different types, who gets them, and how they start flowing. So today, we're going to talk about our first type of royalty a little more deeply, and that's called the performance royalty. And in that, we'll also discuss performance rights organizations and how these royalties are generated, how they're collected, and how they're ultimately paid down to you. Now, today, we're just going to do an overview, getting ourselves familiar with this world, um, because it's a very, very deep world. There's lots to discuss, and I want to do it over several different episodes, breaking down the actual royalty calculations, the PROs, their responsibilities, and how the inner workings really function. So today, it's really, again, just an overview. There's going to be several episodes where we do overviews to get ourselves uh, more comfortable with this world because that's where the foundation really lies. The more we can kind of step in, then we can just expand from there. So let's get started. Let's first define what a performance royalty is and why it's important. So this relates, if you go back to episode one where we talked about copyright and um, the different rights you get that are protected, this relates to the public performance right. Now, real quick, just for clarity purposes, this is all about the musical composition. This has nothing to do with sound recordings. So again, when we talk about uh, those types of copyright, especially with public performance, this is a right that you get as an owner of the musical composition, the musical work. So if you're a songwriter, a lyricist, a composer, anyone who's contributed to the writing of that song or a publisher, the owning of those rights, then this is for you. This is what we're talking about in terms of this type of performance royalty. If you're a recording artist or a record label, we're not talking about that. Recording Sound recordings are not entitled to public performance income in the way we're talking about it today. So I just really wanted to make that distinction because I love separating these lines and keeping things on different sides. And I'm going to be doing that with every episode to really, you know, get our mind thinking, hey, again, what side are you on? Are we are you talking with your songwriter hat on or your artist hat on or your producer hat on? So today we're putting on our songwriter and publisher hat. And that's what we're talking about with public performance royalties and going back to that copyright. So what does it really mean to publicly perform? And the way I like to think about it is all the ways you hear music, which I talked about a little bit when we went over this right initially in episode one. This is, if you just think about how you hear music, meaning you hear it through the radio, uh, through streaming, you hear it in public places, uh, live performances, TV, film in the background when it's linked up to uh, audiovisual works. You hear it when you're at a sports arena and it's playing through the sound system or at a stadium. Uh, you hear it through YouTube. Uh, even when you're on the phone, you know, with like a phone company or whoever, hold music. You know, music can be heard through your ears in many, many different ways. And when that is being consumed in that way, when it's being heard, that's the performance part of it. Now, this can kind of get a little confusing because the word performance, we tend to think of it as just live performance uh, where someone's performing your song at a concert live. And 
That's true. That is one of the rights that is associated with this. That's one of the types of performances that you uh, will get a royalty for. But really, when we look at it in terms of the rights and, and the royalties and the licensing, it's your song being performed on all these different platforms. And the way you identify it is how you hear it. So hopefully that brought a little clarity to it. But know that performance is pretty broad and there's a lot of things that are covered under your performance right that you're entitled to get royalties for. So because this is a protected right, if anyone or any place or any platform wants to use your song in this manner, then there's a process of it that goes again back to the right. You have to give them permission. So they have to come seek permission and in the form of a license and then they'll have to compensate you and the compensation happens in the form of royalties. So just so we're really, really clear, um, let me walk you through a little example. Let's say you write a song and that song gets recorded by Beyonce. Now Beyonce's recording exists and it starts getting played through all these different mediums. So starting with radio, you hear Beyonce's song on the radio, her recording, and you'll get royalties for that. If Beyonce wants to sing that song in a public place like a concert or a stadium um, where she's performing, you'll get royalties for that performance. If the song's played through streaming platforms or digital radio like Spotify or Pandora or even like radio stations when you're on the airplane and they have their airplane radio going on uh, or in a coffee shop or, or wherever you hear this recording of your song being performed, then you'll get royalties. Even if uh, Beyonce has, say she does a concert and that concert's being filmed and then later showed on TV or YouTube, you'll get royalties for both the live performance itself from when she does it in the stadium and another royalty for when it's played through TV or YouTube. So that would come through the network or the production company. So there's multiple different layers of this performance royalties and we'll get more into it in later episodes, but I just wanted to get you familiar with how there's so many types of performance royalties that come through in multiple different ways. And because with publishing, there's so many different types of royalties in general, performance is just one type of publishing royalties. Also, keep in mind as we're talking about this, these performance royalties come from all over the world. So when your songs perform through any of these ways in all the countries throughout the entire world, those royalties will be flowing back to you. It's the same thing. So this starts to get pretty, pretty significant as we move on. Now, let's start talking about how these royalties are collected and how you, more importantly, can collect them. So if you want to collect your performance royalties, then you need to be a member or an affiliate of a performance rights organization. And just for the purposes, and I've I've mentioned this term before, but we're going to keep it easy by just calling them PROs. So I don't need to say performance rights organization over and over again. PROs, that's what we're saying, and that's the standard in the industry. So you'll hear people, whether it's a panel or um, whether it's an article you're reading, they're going to define them as PROs as well. Now, in the U.S., there are four main PROs, and you may have heard of them, but let's go over them. There's ASCAP, which is the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers. There's BMI, that's Broadcast Music Inc., There's CSAC, the Society of European Stage Authors and Composers, 
and there's GMR, which is Global Music Rights. Now, like I said, I'll have individual episodes literally dedicated to each PRO because they require a lot of time and they're very different in how they function. But I'll briefly just talk about what you need to know to get started and really kind of focusing on mainly ASCAP and BMI as those are the two largest and most popular and you may already be affiliated uh, or a member of one of these organizations. All right. Now, these PROs do pretty much the same thing. They are responsible for the world of your performance royalties and your performance right. So they negotiate licenses with the users of the music for the performance you know, of your song. Uh, they collect the royalties for them because you have to be compensated. So they'll collect the royalties and then they'll take those royalties and distribute them down to you or the publishers or the rights holders. So that process, and I, I keep going back to this process of any time you have a protected right, two things have to happen. The user that wants to use your musical composition has to, one, get permission from you in the form of a license, and two, compensate you through a royalty. So that's the process, and I repeat this, I know I repeat this uh, on almost every episode because it's my way of walking through this process over and over again so it's clear on what people need to do if they want to use your musical composition. That's the, it goes back to the protection that you have. And that's so important to me at the foundation of everything. Before the royalty comes, it comes down to the protection. So if they don't get that license, if they don't get that permission, even if they pay you royalties, they still have to actually get the documented permission. So that's the step. Step one, Someone has to license the music, get your permission, and two, pay you. Those two things need to happen. Or an infringement occurs, a violation occurs, and they can't do that. That's why protection and uh, protecting your, your rights and registering with the copyright office and all that is so important. Anyway, coming back to the performance rights. So essentially, this is the what the PROs do. For you... They handle the licensing, so they're going to issue those licenses and the permission part, and then they're going to do the royalties part. They're going to collect the royalties from the user and pass it down to you. Think of them kind of like, um, you know, a, a middle person kind of that is like a buffer between you and all these sources and places that are using your music, and they handle that because the administration job is immense. Uh, they have systems in place to track it. They have pay structures. There's a lot, a lot that goes into this to ensure that your rights are protected and that you're getting paid properly. So with that being said, even though the PROs pretty much do the same thing in terms of that process, they do have different philosophies about how they function. And that's why some people choose to go with one PRO over another. Uh, the different, you know, they might have different ways surrounding, you know, how they pay out, how they distribute their timelines. Um, it may be something revolving around the uh, membership agreement, maybe some of the language in there and how you can terminate or stay the length of the term, um, th how they categorize things, how they weight different types of uses, um, and their bonus structures. There's a lot of different things that each PRO does that may affect which one you want to decide to go with. And that's very important to understand. So when we break down each one in subsequent episodes, 
we'll be talking about these differences and they may uh, influence you to go with one over another because it is pretty, you know, it's a pretty big decision. It may not seem like it because the ease of use of just signing up with one, especially ASCAP or BMI, but it is a big decision when you're thinking about the the value, the growth, the protection, everything that goes into your catalog. And that's what I want to emphasize. Now, let's talk about where you fit into it if you are a songwriter or a publisher. So first things first, when you sign up with a PRO, when you affiliate or join as a member uh, with a PRO, you are not entering into a publishing deal. I really need to make that distinction. I've had this question come up a lot, especially from independent songwriters when asking them, hey, are you in a publishing deal? And they reply, yeah, I'm in a publishing deal with ASCAP or BMI. You are not in a publishing deal. This is not a publishing deal. When you join ASCAP or BMI or CSAC or any of the PROs, they represent just your performance rights. And it's also non-exclusive as well. A publishing deal represents your catalog and your composition in all of its rights. So they are acting on behalf of your composition as a whole, including the performance. Meaning once you sign a publishing deal, they will be collecting money from ASCAP and BMI on behalf of your publishing side. So we'll get more into that, but I just for right now need to make that point that you are not entering a publishing deal when affiliating with one of the PROs. It's purely just to represent that performance right. Okay? Now, what PROs do is they have licensing agreements with many users that use your composition in a performance, meaning radio stations and streaming services and venues. They have already negotiated agreements on your behalf with all these places so you can properly have your rights protected and get paid. Now, these come in the form of mainly what's called a blanket license. This is the most popular way that they license music, just to show you a little bit about how PROs function. Now, a blanket license, I'm sure you may have heard this term before. Basically, for example, they'll go uh, do a licensing deal with a radio station. That radio station is going to say, hey, ASCAP, we basically need the right to use every single song in your catalog and in your repertoire. So... That being said, we're going to pay you a licensing fee to do that. So ASCAP says, great, we're going to issue a blanket license so it's not on an individual song basis. Instead, they issue a license to say, under this license, you have the rights granted to basically use any of the songs that are registered in ASCAP. And that protects the radio stations or venues or any user from infringing on the performance right of that work. Now, once they enter into that license agreement, then they pay fees to ASCAP and BMI and the PROs. And those fees then get paid down to the writers and the publishers for the use of their individual works. And that is done through what's called a royalty pool format. Again, I'll lightly talk about it here because um, it gets very, very dense. But meaning 
Think of it like this. The PROs basically collect all this money through licensing fees. So they've done licensing deals with all these different places that want to use your songs. Then they collect all those fees. From the fees they collect and receive, um, they calculate the amount they received and then the amount of uses uh, or you know, in terms you, you may hear credits. Uh, ASCAP uses credits and weights. And they come up with an amount that gets allocated per song depending on the type of use. Now, like I said, I'll have an episode that breaks down the math very clearly uh, because it's incredibly complicated and there's so many different variations and it depends on just a, a lot of different types of use and factors and also it can change. So it's not like a single song rate, but just know in terms of the way the money flows, it's not like you're getting paid exactly a flat fee for every time your song is just performed anywhere. It's not that, you know, black and white. Um, It really depends on how your song is weighted in this kind of giant pool of songs and money. Um, Also, because there's so many different types of performance, like featured performance and theme songs or underscores, there's just all these different types and also depends on like the popularity of the radio station or the platform or the show and the timing, how much of the song is used. Um, and also the song itself, like if your song is a charting song or a hit song, you're eligible to get bonuses sometimes uh, and bigger payouts. So I won't get too deep into the money right now, but because there, there's just so many different factors and we'll break that down later, but just know that essentially the way the money flows, the the linear way is that ASCAP does a deal with a user, that user gets a license, then they pay ASCAP, ASCAP takes that money from them, calculates where how much you make, and then pays it down to you. And that's essentially the flow of performance royalties and how it functions here in the US. Now there's a lot of, you're probably wondering like, well, how do they know? And this is done through technology on both sides and a lot of data, like radio stations have tracking systems and uh, you know, digital radio, like say it's like Pandora or a, a service like that, they basically track all this stuff, then they deliver that data to the PROs and say, this is what's been reported. That data again then gets matched with ASCAP's repertoire and they can start calculating those weights. And I use ASCAP as the example just you know, but it's the same with BMI and CSAC and GMR. It's, it's the same kind of uh, functions, but the data gets ingested and matched and that's how they know how much to allocate in royalties for your songs. Um, and like just another side note, for example, with TV, it's a little differently. They deliver what's called cue sheets. I'm sure you may have heard that before, but they'll deliver cue sheets that says, um, that tells the PROs, hey, these are all the songs that were used in this episode and this is the timing and this is the type of use, whether it was like a visual vocal or a background vocal, there's different variations. So they'll deliver that and from that, the PROs will take that into their system and calculate how much royalties uh, you will get for the performance of those works in the show. Now, that was probably a lot, maybe a little too much to um, generalize, but I like bringing this stuff just to, you know, throw out the the type of language and the different terms and the different flows of how these systems work because of, as we get deeper and deeper into it, this is again just setting the foundation. Now let's um let's quickly talk about joining and uh, affiliating what that means and how do you do it. 
So I'll focus just on ASCAP and BMI because they are nonprofit, meaning you can publicly join just by signing up, whereas CSAC and GMR, those are for-profit companies and you have to be invited. So it's not just open to the public. You can't just go on their website and sign up like you can do with ASCAP and BMI. Now, a couple things to, to quickly know. Um, the whole point of registering your songs and affiliating with the PRO is kind of like the DMV. It's to get that registration there. It shows uh, you know, who the contact is, uh, the different people involved, if there's co-writers or publishers, who your publisher may be. It's very, very informational. But more importantly, registering your songs is how all that information will be ingested into the systems so your songs can be linked to the data and ultimately get you paid. If your songs aren't registered, then you're not going to get paid. It's that simple. The royalties, they can get held and after a certain period of time, they can actually be lost and you'll never get them again. Sometimes it's very, very hard to get back your retroactive royalties. So, If you have a release or your songs are out there, make sure they are registered. It's the only way you'll guarantee any type of payment for your performance royalties. Now, another quick point I want to make is that registering your songs with the PROs is not the same as registering them with the copyright office. You cannot enforce copyright protection by registering your songs with the PROs. They have nothing to do with copyright at all. All it means is that your registered songs can be licensed for performance uses. If you want to enforce your copyright protection, like I said, you've got to do that directly with the U.S. Copyright Office. Now, when you join a PRO, you can join as either a writer, a publisher, or both. And I've said this before, but my recommendation is always to join as both a writer and a publisher if you're a songwriter because you want to establish your publishing entity. This is going to be very beneficial as you move throughout your career and get a publishing deal, and you want an entity representing that publishing side. Remember, we talked about a song being split into those two sides, a writer side and a publishing side. It's totally fine to join as a writer um, solely that you can do that, I just would recommend doing both and setting up your publishing entity. Now, if you're a publisher or a publishing company or you're looking to start a publishing company, then obviously you would only do the publisher application. You do not need to affiliate as a writer. Now, also about this point, because a song is split into those two sides, the writer side and publisher side, PROs account in the same way. They issue royalty statements and pay royalties in that same way, meaning they'll issue a royalty statement and a check for your writer side to you as a writer directly, and then a check and a statement to the publisher directly. Now, if you just join as a writer, your publishing royalties will flow through to your writer side since you won't have a publishing entity set up. Um, All the PROs will tell you this. However, however, and the PROs probably don't want me saying this, but the reality is it doesn't always happen that way. Your publishing royalties don't always flow through to the writer side. And this is because mainly how uh, the registrations are. If there's errors, there's tons and tons of registration errors. They're done incorrectly. Um, The data is matched incorrectly. And I've personally seen it many, many times where a writer is only affiliated and registered as a writer with no publishing entity matched to it. And they are missing 50% of their income. 
I'm sure there's tons of scenarios where it's not that, where the, where the writer is receiving all of their income, and I've also seen those as well. However, when it really breaks down, I've seen so many errors happen because a writer does not have their publishing entity set up, and for some reason, when it comes to the registration, in place of putting a publishing entity there, they'll choose a choice that says NA, like non-applicable or unknown publisher or uh, no publisher. And depending on what you choose, it will affect how you collect your money in their systems. And no one's really monitoring this. This also happens often when you have co-writers or multiple different publishers. Say you write a song with somebody and their publisher says, we'll do the registration or they do the registration first, but they may not have your complete information. So they, in place of uh, what they know or don't know, they're not really going to put in the most accurate information. And you may not know to do that either. And royalties get held up. So I'm a huge, huge advocate of saying set up your publishing entity and set up your writer entity and know exactly that both are represented on each side. Now, again, people at the PROs are going to say that's not true. Um, What I'm saying doesn't always happen. But again, the application of this is what really matters. And if the registrations aren't correct and the data isn't correct. It could even come down to like the title or the ISRC number. There's so many things that affect the registration and how money is flowed. So the best thing to do in my suggestion after doing this for over 15 years with thousands of people and thousands of songs, I'm telling you, set up your publishing entity. Uh, You will benefit from it. Now, in doing so, I'll just go over quickly the differences. So when you join ASCAP, uh, if you join as a writer, it's $50. If you join as a publisher, it's $50. You could also do them on one single application, which is going to be $100. For BMI, it's actually free to sign up as a writer. And it's $150 to sign up as a publisher if you're an individual or sole proprietor. Um, and $250 if you're a corporation, you know, a partnership or an LLC, a corporate entity. Those are the different fees. Honestly, I wouldn't worry so much on the fee in determining, letting that determine which one you're going to choose that, you know, invest in yourself, invest in the, in the company that you feel strongly uh, with that you want to be with that 150 bucks or that hundred bucks isn't really going to make that big a difference in the long term when you're thinking about your career. So yeah, BMI is a little more expensive. ASCAP is more affordable. Those may be motivators and I get it. It's real. The the cash might not be there, but try not to let that be the sole influencer. Okay. Now, when you do start to go through this process of your application, uh, you'll be entering into an agreement and it's a non-exclusive agreement, but the the things that you should, there, there's two areas that you should kind of pay attention to um, just as a quick kind of little note is one, the term. So how long are you locked into this agreement? And the termination, meaning how can you get out of this agreement if you are unhappy? I always like to stress those two points to people because that tends to be where the risk is. People don't want to make the wrong decision and get stuck. So this is kind of important to know that if you don't feel you know super comfortable with the decision you made, there is a way to get out. 
uh, but know how long you're committed to that decision. So with ASCAP, uh, for both writers and publishers, it's ongoing until you terminate. And for BMI, it's uh, an initial two years for writers and then five years for publishers. Um, now there is, you know, you can negotiate these things, um, especially if you have leverage as a songwriter and I'm sure your attorney will advise on, on that as well. Uh, but the termination for both of them is going to be no sooner than six months from uh, basically that that uh, term date and later than three months. So you do have a window. So for example, if you were a BMI writer and you have that two years, once that two years is up, you have no sooner than six months to give notice and no later than three months to let them know you want to terminate and you know move on from there. Um, know that window. It's crucial. I'll be talking more deeply about this later too, but but just know there is flexibility. You're not locked into making a forever decision here. And um, you can move on if you're not happy. Uh, taking your songs out of there is a lot more challenging, but um, you can move on with future works by moving to another PRO uh, as your career progresses. Now, I briefly mentioned it. Know that these deals are non-exclusive, meaning you always have the right to issue a direct license. This does not happen that often, but it's really good to know that you can always directly license your performance right. I've seen this done. Maybe there's like an indie small budget film that just needs your song or maybe a special project or a venue that doesn't currently have a blanket license with the PRO because they're just doing like a one-time thing. Um, there are situations that P, that users may come to you and say, "I we want to get a performance license and you can issue that directly. You do not have to send them to the PRO and say, go through all that just to get this one license. It does happen, not often, but it's definitely something that you should know uh, because it's important to know that this is uh, non-exclusive and you can license your own performance right. Lastly, the PROs do collect that international performance income, um, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, but it's really good for you to know because don't feel like you have to now join every single organization throughout every major country to get this income. They do have those agreements with the different organizations and that performance money will be flowing through to you. Now, this is especially important to bring up because foreign performance income is becoming more and more popular, especially with streaming and uh, U.S. catalogs of music being more accessible and more popular all throughout the world. So foreign income on the performance end has definitely grown throughout the years. So it's just, it's really good to know that you can collect this income still through your PRO and make sure to monitor that as well. All right, so hopefully that gave you an overview of what PROs do and how they function. Now, once you become a member of a PRO, you'll be able to register your songs at that point. Uh, you can do it all online. Uh, they make it pretty easy for you. And I'll have an entire episode dedicated to the registration process and going through every single step because you do want to be very careful in how you're registering your songs for accuracy and making sure all the information is there in the right way because if not, then the royalties will not flow to you properly. You will be leaving money on the table. It's a very real thing in this industry. So I will have an episode dedicated to that. But the point of this episode was to give you a general idea of the performance royalty and how it's collected and paid to you. Look, this is an incredibly valuable source. It's the largest source of income that you'll probably be receiving. So take time to explore the PROs. 
reach out to them, ask questions, have a meeting with them, get into the buildings, meet people, see what they're all about, see what they can do for you, see where you, you know, what feels right to you and what feels like a home for your catalog. I encourage people to educate themselves more about the PROs and especially the people that are in here. There's a lot of great people that work inside these organizations. So take the time to meet them and connect with them. It it really will make a difference. Look, no matter how much new technology evolves or is developed or the different ways we start to consume music in the digital world, the music industry, in my opinion, is still a people business. It's still based on those relationships. It's still about who's in the building making things happen. And I'll say that from time to time over and over again because there's really no shortcuts to this. Nurture those relationships, whether it's with your PRO or your publisher or whoever, that's where your success is going to be in the relationships that you build inside these buildings because those are the people they're going to make sure you're taking care of. They're going to give you the attention. They're going to give you the extra service. And more importantly, they're going to fight for you. There's so, if you understand the volume that is in these organizations, just in terms of songs and writers and how much they're dealing with from a day-to-day basis, it's impossible to pay attention to everybody every single day. So the more you can build your relationships with the important people that are doing the work, that are fighting for you, then you're going to see the results on your statement in the form of royalties. I guarantee it. I've seen many situations even with like bands or co-writers where they're signed up with different PROs and they're all on the same song and each one gets paid a different amount. And sometimes it could be substantial. This can be because there's a registration error or a reporting error with one PRO and not the other. So unless you really have a relationship in the building, someone that's going to look after your catalog, give you that little extra attention, making sure everything is running smoothly, it will affect how much money you get paid. And also, once we go over the inner workings of the systems, you know, from the payments, the methodologies, um, distribution, and dive into the agreement a little more, you'll be able to have a better sense of which PRO may be right for you. Also, I didn't go over CSAC or GMR today because they are for-profit PROs, and um, but I'll be discussing them on a, on a separate episode too. Uh, they just function a little bit differently. They still do the same things, but because they are for profit, you can't just, um, like I said, sign up publicly. So again, look, I hope this was informative and educational um, and gave you guys a better sense of the performance royalties and what PROs do. If you have any questions on anything I covered today, please let me know. Drop a comment in the comment section, uh, or you can reach out to me on social media at Paid in Full Pod on both IG and Twitter. I'll do my best to answer every question on the show, if not directly, so definitely reach out. I want to help. But until then, thank you again for listening. Really means a lot, and I will see you on the next episode.